0: Welcome, guys, to the 11.11 podcast broadcast. Welcome, everyone. I hope everyone's having a great morning, day, night, afternoon, midnight, wherever this is meeting you and greeting you. Um, everyone just take a deep breath and let it out. Very good. All right. So new day, new dollar. Let's get it. Let's get it, y'all. All Uh <laughs> yeah i'm feeling good feeling great everybody uh recommend if you are a a person who indulges in cannabis get you some cbd and i'm not just talking about the oil go burn some cbd let all those uh brain follicles dance with it groove with it I just thought about a goofy movie, but anyway, I um, hope everyone's having a great day, morning, night, wherever it's this is meeting. Greeting you. If you have any requests that you would like to hear covered on this podcast, please send them to at Agent K Twenty One Podcast, that is on Instagram, or you can reach me on Instagram or Twitter at Agent K Twenty One, or if you have my number, send me a text, send me a direct message, uh, hit me up, send me an email. However. And let me know what your topic requests are all right if you like to be featured as well on the channel hit me up let me know and uh, yeah I'm actually gonna talk about a topic request for my black history fact all right so this topic request um, this comes in a while back from Carrie she wanted to know the mouthpiece that slave women had to wear um, during the slave times uh, so did a little bit of research here and our Black History Fact today is going to be on the Slave Iron Bit. Alright, and coming from Wikipedia, the Iron Bit, also referred to as a gag, was used by slave masters and overseers as a form of punishment on slaves in the southern United States. The bit's sometimes depicted as the Scold's bridle, Brittle, which is also known as the Witch's Brittle, or Brink's Brittle. Uh, it was used as a form of punishment. It uh, used similar mechanics to that of the common horse bit. The scold's bride, brittle, however, is almost always associated with its use on women in the early 17th century, particularly witches, let's be real. And there are very few accounts of the device as a method of torture against black slaves under that particular name. As opposed to the whip, the iron bit lacks the historic social and literal symbolic frame that would make information on the use of the iron bit as accessible its use throughout history has warned some attention though mostly from literary texts even earlier slave narratives and publications of newspapers and magazines from the 18th century on given evidence of this device being used to torture and punish slaves um, so just a little bit more information about this this is a, um, a gag, a device that slaves had to wear. So uh, reading a little bit further here, several articles and newspapers mention that what appears to be the iron bit, but the name of the device varies from region to region where it is used. Um, in the 1848 article of the North Star states that dealing in slaves has become a large business. Establishments are made in several places in Maryland at which they are sold like cattle. These places of deposit are strongly built and well supplied with iron thumb screws and gags and ornaments with cowskins and whips often bloody. A man wrote in an open letter to the editor of the Frederick Douglass paper about an abolitionist who was demonstrating the actions of slaveholders in the American South. I recollect... The horror that thrived the hearts of the spectators. When Mr. Gurney one evening placed on his head an iron machine of torture, which inflicted great pain upon the slave, and an iron gag penetrated his mouth, confining his tongue and preventing articulation, he exhibited the whips also, and many other implements of cruelty adopted by the planners and their agents. One newspaper advised, an advertisement from, ni- from 1792 writes of a reward to be given for the capture of a runaway slave. The description of her is given that she is five feet three or four inches high when she went away, wearing such clothing as Negroes generally wear in the summer and carried with her a white linen coat and jacket. She is a vile creature and for, many, and for her many crimes I punished her with an iron collar, but suppose she soon got that off." Another article on the treatment of slaves by Daphne of Louisiana stated that seven slaves were reportedly found in various parts of the of the residence and they were said to be in need of medical attention. Some of them were allegedly chained in uncomfortable positions and instruments of torture were said to have been found, specifically iron collars with spikes or sharp edges. Um, yeah, so basically if you look and I might even post a picture of what this, um, contraption looks like on my, on my Instagram, um, but it's basically a gag that slaves had to wear. Um, and just to reiterate this, uh, a, a freed slave, a Lua um, oh man, I'm messing up his name. Um, Olada Equino uh, was, in the, was a, a freed man. He, he's from Nigeria and um, he, he lived in London and he was freed. His description of this uh, comes from his own collection. So he wrote about it in his own slave narrative called The Interesting Narrative of the Life of Olada Equino. Okay, so this is an an inscription from there. When persons being held as slaves were accused by their masters of insubordination or of eating more than their allotment of food, they might expect to be fitted with an iron muzzle. In his autobiography, he describes his first encounter with such a device in the mid-1700s. In quotes, I have seen a black woman slave as I came through the house who was cooking the dinner and the poor creature was cruelly loaded with various kinds of iron machines. She had, one particularly, she had one particularly on her head, which locked her mouth so fast that she could scarcely speak and could not eat or drink. I was much astounded and shocked at this contrivance, which I afterwards learned was called the iron muzzle. And there is a picture here of um, a description of what this man saw and what it looks like. Um, what I find very interesting, I hadn't even read this, or put two and two together before, um, is is that the man who, whose quotes I just read is a African-American who lived in London. And he has an interesting story, too. I'll probably save his story for tomorrow's day of uh, Black history. But I, I find it interesting that the Wikipedia tells of, you know, a newspaper advertisement for the capture of a runaway slave, and they describe the runaway slave as a creature. And to see this man describing this woman as a poor creature, it's like becoming so numb to what you're being called that you just, you say it yourself. You become so conditioned to, you know, yesterday I challenged everyone to, um, hopefully not everyone, but for those who use the word, the N word to not say it for the month of Black History Month. Um, because we perpetuate the cycle of saying things and calling ourselves things that have been detrimental, that have been out of cruelty, that have been worth out of trauma. And, um, you know, what we speak over ourselves, whether we realize it or not, is manifesting within our bodies, within our minds. You know, everything we say, see, and behave, those are all the result of our conditioning. And so one way to change that, to break the cycle, is to change your, your words. That's one of the easiest ways. You know, start changing your words, start changing your thinking. It starts with the mind. And um, yeah, just seeing that. But today I really want to talk about um, trauma. And I, wanted, I I thought this was a great um, segue, in, segue into it because uh, people who who we all have experienced some form of trauma no matter how good or great our lives our parents our history or whatever was we've all experienced some form of trauma if you're born and you're living you've experienced trauma uh to what degree determines you know your your life story but we've all experienced trauma in one way shape or form and um as i was reading this uh there was something I read that made me feel like, yo. I think it was in that article again, that newspaper advertisement, describing, you know, they don't even know exactly how tall she is. Like they're just like, yeah, she's like 5'3 or 5'4, somewhere around there. But just saying uh she's wearing such clothing as they generally wear in the summer. It it, it made me think about uh um it made me think about this movie I recently watched. Now, I try to cut it off. I really do, but I can't. I try to just turn it off. It's like a superpower. I I see the subtleties so clearly and the subconscious messages and everything. And I feel like a lot of us do. And it's time to call that shit out. It's time to talk about it because I'll be watching something on, on the news or not the news, but I'll be watching a movie like with my friends or something. And it's like so subtly racist. And I'm like, can nobody see this? Like, am I just, okay, I guess that's just me. All right. And I'm just like, how can you guys not see the the subconscious uh, messages that are being broadcasted right now? And it's so fucking subtle that it really pisses me off. It's like these subliminal messages are so obvious in our commercials, in our food, in our everyday life, on the radio, everything. And it's like, I don't know. It's, it's weird. And the higher we evolve, it's like, you don't even have to see it. You feel that shit a mile away. You feel the frequency of that of what's coming at you, like, 30 feet away. You're like, yep, I already know what this is. And um, so I'm watching this movie. Uh, it's called This Is The End. A lot of fucked up shit going on in here that I'm not even going to comment on. A lot of triggersome stuff, like, yeah just so disrespectful in so many ways but what I thought about as I'm watching it was and what I think about oftentimes is how misrepresented African American people are always portrayed we only get certain roles we only get a certain you know things that we already know we already know the stereotypes that they want to fill us in and just watching this movie and seeing how they depict the black characters in particular movies like this shows like the office i'm just like come on people really but anyway um so in the movie and if you haven't seen this is it and you want to see it this is where you stop because there's gonna be spoilers spoiler alert i'm about to tell this whole thing and so i'm watching the movie and it's like they're getting high and they're like yeah fuck yeah you know but the it turns into a horror movie real quick and they're like showing the end of days and all the narratives of how people have thought about the way things would end from the religious standpoint to the zombie apocalypse to whatever else, right? And, uh, I'm watching how they're portraying this, this black woman in the movie and she's at the convenience store and she like cusses somebody out. Of course, that's what an angry black woman would do. Cuss somebody out while she's at work, right? So she's cussing this guy out and, uh, Seth Rogen and, um, the other dude I'm sorry I don't know your name other guy they're like oh watching her and then Seth Rogen goes oh I think she's mean and I'm like yep right there that's where the that's where the subtle seed is planted oh yeah all black people are mean all black women are are angry and all this extra stuff and I'm like okay I'm watching that and I see the way that she has a die off the show and we already know all of us already know in the scary movies who's the first to go that's been like called out on so many levels so we're like okay we're numb to it at this point point. and uh then furthermore later on in the movie they're doing a whole bunch of subtle things subtle 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 things and then um craig i forget his his last name um he's he's a black comedian and and he draws they're they're trying to figure out who has to go outside and you know risk their lives or whatever and he he picks the straw that shows that he has to go and uh james franco character says oh that's racist and it's like really it's like the whole it's the whole uh what is that that ball and chain that back and forth of like we're gonna do a bunch of racist subtle stuff first and then the one thing that's actually not racist we're gonna call that racist so that we can manipulate you into thinking that we're actually the ones who are cool but i just pay attention to everything i pay attention to like Who they have the black character sitting next to. Who, who, how many black faces are in the room. They make sure they have to have at least another black face in the room. It's just little, little, little things. Um, so many little things. And then, uh, Rihanna's in the movie too. And just the way they do her, I'm just like, shh, y'all. This is so, ugh. Anyway, I could go on and on and on. And, uh, I could probably do like a whole segment on all the subliminal messages that I see every day from men to women to black people to minorities to gays to everything it's like really yeah I'm not just talking about stereotypes I'm talking about the subliminal programming of how you should view such people it's like y'all ain't never met these people have you y'all never met them clearly clearly but that's a whole nother rant for myself let me get out of my soapbox but yeah so reading this I'm just like wow this is so deep And now, for all of us who have experienced trauma, we understand the pain of torture to a whole nother degree. And I feel like um, that becomes safe. The trauma becomes so safe because the healthier we get, uh, it's not really pretty. I mean, I'm not just talking about acknowledging and observing and being aware of what you're doing or not doing. I'm saying, like, once you actually consciously choose healing, it's the craziest thing the craziest thing um i was going to save this for another episode to talk about anxiety and i might i might table it until then but um we've all have experienced trauma in some way shape or form most of us come from homes who have abandoned us neglected us or just simply did not meet our needs and what happens when that happens is that our mind and our body creates a split and we create we experience a trauma now there are several ways to go about integrating this trauma um self-love is the best way to get there because most of us weren't taught to love ourselves we were taught to love other people or we were taught that love was foreign or dangerous or anything that love is actually not and so Once we unconditionally grant ourselves self-love we're able to accept the things we don't like about ourselves we're able to appreciate all facades of us we're not suppressing denying rejecting it anymore we're actually embracing it we're not trying to fix it We're, we're not broken don't need to be fixed um we just have to have some awareness around it but the thing about trauma is it's passed down through generations and so can you imagine somebody living, you know, we don't know if our ancestors had this iron bit on them or not. Um, some of us probably have have that in our, in our DNA. And trauma is passed through our DNA, which is part of the reason, mainly the main reason, why I've um, transitioned to a mostly vegan lifestyle it is because DNA stores trauma. And if I'm eating a mammal or anything related to that mammal that's experienced a torturous death that trauma is that pain is being ingrained into my body now again no shame on this page so uh I love all my meat-eating friends I do and occasionally I will you know I'm not an angel all the time so yeah but I have more committed to a vegan lifestyle it's a process though so I'm not fully vegan but I'm making strides to be there Because, uh, yeah, I'm very conscious of what I indulge in and, um, not because there's anything wrong with anything else. It's just my own personal choice. And, um, yeah. So I think that when we experience trauma, naturally we, our shame is triggered. And when shame is triggered, we want to bury it. We want to suppress it. But shame dies when it is spoken in a safe, loving place. Now, if you don't have a safe, loving support system, friends, family around you, therapist, counselor, that is when you have to provide that for yourself. And for those who would like to have that uh, provided, I do provide affordable counseling. And it is at no cost. Donations are accepted. And we work through traumas. We work through anxiety. We work through all the shame all the guilt all those fears and all of that kind of stuff um because it's important to let it out you know secrets there's a there's a saying i don't necessarily like the way it's said but there's a saying that you're only as sick as your secrets and so we want to get that stuff out whether we're journaling about it whether we're writing about it whether we're speaking it in a podcast whether we're putting it in a voice memo whether we're writing a song about it however We want to actually speak that so that we can put that to bed. We can actually make that sit in its grave. Now, it's very important um, to find safe, loving, supportive people, people who accept you unconditionally, people who embrace who you are and who are not going to shame you more so Um, because that is more detrimental if you open up to someone and that person doesn't fully see, hear or feel into you, there's going to be a disconnect and that can cause more, more trauma. Um, So be very selective and, um, you know, grant that to yourself as well. I think that's the best is once you can grant that to yourself, you're not looking for it externally from anyone else. Once you can take yourself back to a painful memory and walk yourself to a happy ending, that is really where the magic lies. Um, But it's also important to have uh, people that can help you support you on that path as well. Um, and so, you know, a lot of us have experienced trauma and then we feel shame or guilt around our desires because of said trauma. So you might be into, you know, uh, for an example, you might be into BDXM or whipping or pornography or anything that is like, might be shame inducing. The first thing is to accept yourself and to realize like, this might be trauma bred but... I'm going to embrace all aspects of myself. So, um, understanding where it comes from is also important. Understanding, like, why do I have these weird desires? Why do I want to, you know, do this thing or do that thing that I don't quite understand? Finding the understanding of it will either resolve that trauma or will free you from it. And what I mean by that is, once you dive deeper and say, hey, I actually like this and I'm not sure why. And then you realize, oh, that's because I've been traumatized into this. And actually, I don't like this anymore. That's being, that's it being resolved. Or you find out, okay, this comes from my trauma, but I actually kind of like it. So I'm going to keep doing this. That frees you from the trauma. So there's no more shame and guilt associated with it. It's just like, this is me. It's a lifestyle. Let's go. And um, you're able to accept and embrace yourself. Um, But we want to make sure we're doing things from a love vibration and not a fear vibration. Anything that's birthed in trauma is fear. And so once we remove the fear, we can, we can identify it. We can look at it objectively and say yes or no without fear or without repercussion. You know, or without that compulsion to do it just because. It's like, no, I'm choosing to do this now. And I'm enjoying it without the shame and the backlash afterwards. And it's like you give yourself that own your own liberation when you do that and so trauma can be passed down so it could be someone else's trauma you know and for us light workers mystics empaths all of us we can experience other people's trauma you know one thing when i was first becoming a psychologist i wondered how do you not how do you not vicariously get traumatized by other people's trauma cuz i'm an empath and i can really um, become a sponge <laughs> So much so that it, it can be a little overwhelming. And that's where boundaries comes in. That's where implementing and maintaining boundaries comes in. And also uh, clearing your energy field, clearing your space, meditating. Those kind of things can help uh, separate the two. Um, but if there is a trauma that has been passed down generationally that you no longer want to continue to thrive in, You got to get very serious about examining that thing and looking at it squarely from all sides shapes and purposes and understanding where it comes from and how to get rid of it if that's something you want to get rid of and getting rid of it requires a level level of dedication and consistency to pour love on it and to um to really understand it and you know this whole process requires ourselves to become very intimate with ourselves and that can be scary. That can be scary if you've never looked in the mirror. If you if you don't know what you look like, if you haven't looked at yourself deeply, intimately, it can be a very scary process. If you've been told that you're bad, wrong, or evil, and you feel like you're going to look at yourself and feel that or sense that, that can be a scary process. And, um, you know, that was part of part of my experience. But once you actually, like own own all of all of yourself. That's when the game changes. That's when the trauma chains and bonds just they blow away. And um, also, like I said, protecting your energy, but also cleansing your energy. So whatever that looks like for you, whether that's sage, whether that's a hot bath, I don't know what it looks like for you. But bonds can be broken I, t- I spoke about that on season one you were not bound to who you once were you were not bound to any particular person you're not bound to this happened to my mom or my daddy so it's gonna happen to me no you have free will you have power you have choice you know um cleansing your your sacral chakra which is your willpower will help remind you of the confidence of who you are that you are not what other people have said about you you're not even what you've said about you you can revoke those words that you've even thought and so um once we start to integrate the trauma and not bypass it you know a lot of us are really good at all right that's done let me speed past that because that's too painful or um let me look at it at a very surface level you gotta dive deep, baby girl, you gotta dive real deep on this stuff. all right uh, I'm saying that to myself <laughs> but but once you uh, get your snorkeler out and you just go dive sea deep diving, you know you you're ready to reach the bottom of the ocean however endless it is, that's when you know you're ready. You're ready to be on the path of enlightenment, of healing, of growth. And when you can say no matter what comes your way, you're gonna keep swimming keep swimming keep swimming that's when it's time and I do believe it is time now for me to go but um yes we've all experienced trauma we've all experienced some form of abuse some form of neglect some form of not having our needs met so if you've experienced that welcome to earth welcome to the human race and um you're fine exactly where you are and just as you are just keep putting one foot in front of the other baby steps just keep moving keep looking up there is a light at the end of the tunnel and uh yeah you're on your own process you're on your own pace everyone take your time breathe it in breathe it out until next time